Hello, listeners. This is Chris Mako, and we are live for episode 50 of the Training for Ultra podcast. Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to episode 50 of the Training for Ultra podcast. My name is Rob. I also go by Training for Ultra. It's hard to top Mako's introduction there, so I'm not even going to try to attempt that. And I, I might have to include that in every episode going forward. But yeah, episode 50. So we've been at this almost for a year. I'm excited. You guys have been just huge supporters and can't thank you enough. And I will likely have a Patreon only episode. Um, coming out sometime in July, so we'll have to time it out. But for the uh, Patreon supporters, I know Scott's working on it. He uh, He's our newest one. But you guys are huge. You make this all work, so I really appreciate you guys. But we're, we have a fun episode. So I catch up with Chris Mako. He was just on the Ginger Runner Live uh, YouTube channel podcast, and you know, Chris, he got deep on that episode, and I felt like let's keep it a little more topical and and light and somewhat humorous. I mean, you know, everything isn't hilarious, but, you know, we, we had fun talking. It was always great catching up with him, and we get to hear about some of his recent races that maybe not many people have heard about. Uh, this episode also, after... Chris Mako, we catch up with Dave Bromlick, and he's doing the Colorado Trail right out of his front door. So if you check out YouTube, check out the YouTube channel and subscribe. If I get enough subscribers, I might start doing uh, live interviews on YouTube. So I have to get over a thousand. Um, I'm right there. But yeah, check out um, Dave's video. He like literally we shot it, and he wakes up, he gets ready, makes breakfast, and walks out his front door to go on a a 530-mile trip. So at the end of this episode, we check in with Dave, and he's just a really nice guy. He's kind of like the first Training for Ultra athlete, so I took every Patreon dollar from June and gave it to Dave just to buy him a meal or two on his his, uh, journey there. So big thank you to the show sponsors, Hammer Nutrition. If you haven't tried them out, I, I just tried their Cola Fizz, which is an electrolyte. And I'll be using exclusively Hammer Nutrition for the Silver King coming up here this weekend. We'll chat about that in a second here. Uh, I'm also going to use it at Never Summer. And then the big A race of the year, CCC out in Europe, the sister race to UTMB. I'll be using all Hammer Nutrition products. So if you haven't tried Hammer, you know, feel free to give them a shot. Use my promo code 252888. You'll save 15% on off your first order big thank you to Sufferfest beer they've been a big supporter of this this podcast basically from the beginning and it's been fun to work with their team really enjoy their beer i i think fkt is my new favorite i think it's kind of the must try it has electrolytes it's kind of one of those perfect beers for after a long run just come in and it's relaxing and it's a good beer they also have just released fk or not fkt um repeat which is uh 
a little bit lighter alcohol, sort of like a, it has a full body taste to it as opposed to like those watered down light beers. So repeat is a, you know, a very good addition to the, the beer family there. And then lastly, my CCC training, Tommy Byrne, his charity, Bigger Than the Trail, raising awareness of mental health issues via trail running. I think it's an awesome charity. Um, I'm a big proponent of what Tommy's doing. Tommy's like one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet if you ever see him out there on the trails or during a race. And uh, yeah, if, if you're having a, a tough time, you know, with some kind of mental health um, type issue, reach out to Bigger Than the Trail. I think it's worth it. They have, uh, you know, professionals that are willing to help you and listen. And I think it's uh, it's an important cause. So I'm honored to, I'm truly honored to have Bigger Than the Trails on board supporting my trip out to CCC. And uh, Tommy's just a, a good friend at this point. And he's, uh, congrats to Tommy too. I haven't mentioned this on the show yet, but he's now a father so he had a, a son almost the same time we had our second. So uh, congrats to Tommy. I I mean, so Silver King is coming up. I signed up for a 50-mile bike race. It's one of the harder ones in Leadville. It starts at 10,200 feet, and it's going to be on Saturday. So this Saturday, uh, for Saturday in July, is, is going to be... I signed up for it, and I didn't own a bike. I hadn't biked in, like years and initially I was so scared that I it forced me to get on the bike and start cross training I knew if I was biking a little bit it would be beneficial and honestly I've only put in 253 miles on the bike and I've probably put in a good amount of vert probably 100 feet of gain per mile uh, just a fallout of the local trails here so I'm feeling comfortable. It's okay to fail at these races. Like I'm, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to fail at all. I think I'm going to hold back because of the 50 mile silver rush 50 on Sunday run. Um, so I don't want to show up to the start line and just feel miserable for a 50 miler in Leadville. Cause the marathon alone, as, as Chris Mako and I will discuss here in a second, it's it was really tough. It felt like thirty to thirty-five miles um, for me to just finish that marathon. So the fifty-miler, God, it's probably going to be probably going to feel more like a seventy-miler, just with the altitude. So I'm just reminding myself how thankful I'm, I am to be in the position to have a weekend. My dad's going to be on crew, so my dad, if you don't know already had a 99.9% blockage in his heart, and he gave me a phone call that kind of lit the fuse to all of this. He was, he's, that phone call was the catalyst for me changing my diet, losing weight, and becoming active, and becoming a runner. I mean, it's weird to even be able to call myself that two and a half years in. So I'm thankful to have found this sport my expectations in the silver king are i just want to finish you know i want to be healthy finish and go into never summer 100k in three weeks following that healthy feeling great and then i'll have one month until ccc 
So the elevation profile and altitude of both those courses are going to get me in good enough shape to have fun at CCC. Am I going to be competitive? There's no way. Like, best case, I'll crush middle of the pack. But I'm going to show up into Europe. I'm going into Sha- I'm staying in Chamonix, and I'm doing a dream race. So I'm telling you guys, I'm living proof I was going to be put on Lipitor at age 30. You know, I just turned 34 in mid-June here. And so you can change your life. You can do these amazing dream races. Um, I've qualified, you know, for tickets into Western States. I've already qualified for CCC and TDS for next year. Hopefully I'll, I'll have enough points for UTMB qualifier. But you can do this, and it's fun, and it's life-changing. You can go on vacations and get that 50K race in and, and have fun. It's life-changing. So who cares what other people think? If you if you truly believe deep down that you're capable of doing this, I think you're probably capable. So you have to enjoy your training. You have to get out there regularly and I'll tell you what, my training block going into this race has been some of the best consistent running I've ever done. Now, if you look at the mileage, because I have a newborn, I work full-time in a job not related to running whatsoever. It's a high-stress job, and I have to be a dad and a husband first before anything. So my 30-mile weeks, you might not see behind the page, you know, behind the Strava data, things are going really well. Um, I'm doing a four mile run with 400 feet of gain and I feel like I just went for a walk. So my body's recovering. It's learning how to run better. And I'm just really excited. Um, honestly, this weekend, I think my big takeaway, my big goal for silver King is to finish, be healthy, but most importantly, have fun and hang out with my dad. Who's been my inspiration from day one. He's truly, truly the catalyst um, for this whole crazy endeavor that keeps me um, keeps me active. So thank you for your support. And then there was one last question someone asked because uh, Sufferfest ran the work-life um, balance kind of, uh, you know, mentions on social media. And, and someone reached out to me and asked me, like, how do you, how do, you do this? Because, you know, data to working a full-time stressful job, and I pride myself most on being a good husband, a good father. Um, and I think my work-life balance, I'm finding out, because this question was asked like maybe a week ago, and I've, I've thought about it, and it's kind of kind of one of those deep questions. I think um, I don't have a deep answer other than I have an amazing wife, and we've learned to trade off. So I will take one hour and put everything I have into my run now that doesn't mean run as hard as I can it means do whatever I need to be doing that day so I my big improvement over this training block has been slowing down and everyone's different everyone has their own training plan and we'll we'll talk to some elite coaches down the road here in a few weeks Um, but for what works for me is to slow down so my slow runs need to be slow my fast runs on the other hand, which are 10% of my runs, maybe 15 to 20, need to be fast. So none of this BS that I've been doing in the previous years, 
this is a big inspiration um, in part actually just talking and hanging out with Michael Owen who crushed Western States top 20 congrats on that front but make sure my slow runs or easy runs are easy so that I have to keep myself honest on that front and then vice versa and that's I've I've been stressing my body and uh, resting my body and I, I think that's where I'm seeing these random improvements like just going out and running a 5k during a lunch break at work and and throwing down like a PR 5k which isn't land speed record but something's happening something good is something positive positive is happening and so yeah my work-life balance I trade off with my wife so we go back and forth and you know if I get my hour I put in my hour and I don't see it as working like you know I, I get to hang out with my family um, but the lunch run is becoming vital and I'm also seeing more opportunities early in the morning and then like directly right after work like the first hour if I don't do the workout like right when I get home and then go pick up my son it doesn't happen so that's so far how it's working and honestly um, I'm a little extreme with every aspect of my life but without the running and and now biking component like I don't know if the balance would work but yeah it's Right now, there's there's like a, considering I have a newborn, I can't believe how well this training block has gone, completely injury-free, and I'm just really excited. So yeah, this weekend, it's all about just finishing. I, I don't need to beat anybody. I just need to beat the course, and uh, I need to spend some quality time with, with the dude who uh, inspired this all, my dad. So uh, thank you guys. I know that was long and drawn out. And truly appreciate you guys and all the questions and comments and support. I, I couldn't have done this, done these 50 episodes without you guys. So enjoy the time, Chris Mako, and then we get to hear about trying to do the Colorado Trail. It's a pretty amazing episode. Have a good one. Don't forget to enjoy your training. See ya. I am hoping that my next career will be as the voice of Ultra Running Podcasts, uh, much <laughs> much like... What's uh what's our wrestler's name? Wrestler announcer's name? Yeah, the WWF guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You get paid a million dollars to show up to just say your one line. Exactly, exactly. I, I think yeah, in the ultra running world I think it's it, it's equivalent to about a dollar. So <laughs> <laughs> Well, Chris, thank you for joining me. I know you're a busy guy and um it was really cool meeting you in person and finally having a beer. We finally had a Sufferfest beer at the Dirty Thirty um, it was it was good to see you cross the finish line, and it seemed like you're mostly injury free. Your knee your knee wasn't bleeding too bad. Yeah, um, not the not the prettiest day of my life, but uh, very relieved to get to the finish for that one. That's for certain. And yeah, it was it's very it's very bizarre uh, moving from a internet relationship to a to a physical in person relationship. Let's say in person, not physical. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I'm going to get a lot of feedback on this here. Um, <laughs> and for the listeners' background, Mako was incredibly nice. We we had a beer because um, Sufferfest was giving out a ton of beer there. I think we had the repeat, and uh, I was like, "Hey, Mako, can we let's let's get a photo?" Because like I have to prove that you know we have this this uh, physical relationship going. 
And my son was there, and he thought, Dad's going to take a picture of me with Chris. <laughs> and so he, he lined up for a photo with Mako, and Mako was was incredibly nice and didn't embarrass him and took a photo. But after crushing that 50K, having to lean down, and you're a tall dude, trying to lean down with a three-year-old toddler for a photo was, uh, yeah, you made it happen. So it was much appreciated, though, man. Yeah, it was great. I, I was, I think I was a little delirious finishing. You came up and you're like, "Hey, it's Rob." I'm like, "You're gonna have to give me more than that." I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't start crying. I don't think. Um, I, I was just, yeah, no, I was, I was amazed at that finish. And then, man, the the fight for like third place was pretty intense. Um, <laughs> I, I think you were still standing there. You might have been in the medical tent, but so, just to update the listener, I mean. You've been on Ginger Runner Live, and you got you got deep there um, with some some food related issues that you had, and I highly highly recommend uh, the listener checking that episode out. We're gonna keep things a little bit lighter, and I, I want to hear like what have you modified in your training? Because uh, Dirty Thirty went pretty well for you. I mean, were you happy with that race? Uh yeah, I think so. I, I, th- I think the most important thing is uh, being aware of where I am and where I've come this year. So I think the, the last time we chatted was sometime in the middle of the fall, and I was a couple weeks into Colorado. Things were starting to click. I was getting acclimated, feeling good, and I <clears throat> kind of had a string of races in October that went surprisingly well, and my fitness was really coming along. But then a couple of things happened. One, I began a full-time job, which added a little bit of stress. And yeah, I'm pr- that's I'm, for sure. And so that was number one. Number two, there's this thing in Colorado that um, I never experienced in California called, and correct me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly, winter? Yes. That, that's yes. A, yeah. yeah, you have this winter thing. Yes. And it turns out that waking up when it's cold and dark outside and it has or is or will be snowing or there's ice on the ground and 90% of the trails are closed or unrunnable for much of the season uh, was pretty demoralizing and I kind of survived for about a month of it and had some pretty awesome treadmill workouts but by month two I was just completely burnt and my excitement and passion for running was was completely gone yeah Unfortunately, I'd already signed up for a bunch of qualifying races for Western States, so I flew out to Bandera, had a bit of a hip injury that I've been dealing with, had a drop at Bandera. A month later, I forced it again, tried to do it at Sean O'Brien. By like the third mile, I knew it was going to be a terrible day, and yeah. you know, was crying on the course when I saw my friends out there, wanted to drop about five times, was grateful just to finish, but was a was a pretty miserable experience, and that's when I hit the reset button finally for good. And fortunately through all this, well, unfortunately I, I had just linked up again with uh, my former coach, David Roach. And, and so he had been kind of witnessing this struggle and had really helped in trying to get me into race fitness very yeah. quickly. And it just wasn't, it wasn't coming together. So Can't we be forced really on that type of level of run ultra running. I mean, you, it's I, I can't imagine I mean because I'm at best middle of the pack but trying to force it yeah and and you've been you had some pretty big things happen in your life yeah I've experienced maybe one or two of them also and I didn't want to just skip over your your announcement with 
you know, you're, you're eating and, and food type uh, reflecting and, and how you solved a lot of those problems. Uh, I just felt like you did it justice on Ginger Runner. And um, I, I really respect you, though, coming out and uh, sharing that. And David Roach, I'm, he's probably going to be on the next episode or, or maybe two episodes from now. One of the nicest guys in ultra running. I mean, how um, when did you start with David as a, a coach? Yeah, so we, we first linked up after Way Too Cool in 2016. Okay. And he coached me into qualifying for Western States, finishing top 10 at Western States. And uh, pretty much through the rest of 2016, when... When I decided to go full-time running, I uh, knew that he wouldn't be particularly happy with how aggressive I was getting with racing and training, so we kind of parted ways temporarily, but um, by the end of 2017, I realized um, that I needed a bit more guidance, and also just somebody to, to be the voice of reason. I'll tell you no. Yeah. I, even, I need, I, you could make a lot of money just being a coach, and literally just all you have to do is, if someone's on ultra sign-up, you have to talk with with another person about it instead of clicking like sign yeah. up sign yeah. up sign up <laughs> like <laughs> yeah i mean all it takes is like one good training run yeah watching yeah. the western states coverage yep. and all of a sudden you're just geeking out and trying to sign up for everything and uh, <laughs> i am i'm definitely at fault for that and what? sometimes it works out sometimes it goes horribly but um, having somebody to say no is often the, the best thing, but also provides structure. I always opt for, you know, I want to add miles to my training runs, I, I to my long runs. I want to have harder workouts. But uh, David doesn't really mention it when he's constructing my training, but a lot of it is very intentional about not having me burn out and keeping me around 90% is much better than than uh, burning me out and getting me to a place where I just completely fall apart. So the most important thing that has happened since that rough winter was one, I mean, the trails got cleared, so I was a much happier runner, but yeah. we've just hit a level of consistency where I'm no longer stressing about getting to 100 miles every week. We're, we're actually you know close to 90 almost every week, but I, I just had to, the, the come to Jesus moment was, hey, you can't train like you are a full-time runner because you are not. You yeah. you want to have a, a good work life. You also want to have a life outside of work, and doing all three of those at an exceptional level is not really feasible. So it's hard at an average level. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, yeah, it's it's amazing that you're able to do that. And I would I would exchange the stresses of being a parent, maybe not one for one, but I mean, being a being Boulder's most eligible bachelor like you know it's that that has to take you know some toll on training and and there's amount a uh, probably good amount of stress in um all all that encompasses you know being single and and actually you know trying to to look for for those fronts so um i mean the amount of stress though in terms of your work are you equating it to mileage at all like do you think just having a full-time job now is, I mean, the amount of stress it's putting on your body's 15 to 20 miles worth per week. Uh, I, I don't think about it uh, in those terms as much. I think for me, it's more about uh, not having the time to do as many of the little things as I would normally do. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love my job. I love my office. And in terms of work environments, it's one of the least stressful places that you could be working. And um, that's been extremely helpful. And the, uh, my manager in particular is extremely supportive. So as I'm talking cool. to you right, right now, I'm in Frisco, Colorado, which is about 90 minutes from Boulder. And I'm up here because I have a race in Leadville, which I'm sure we'll be talking about in a little bit. But um, I, I'm very fearful of the altitude and I yeah. want to get up high as much as possible. And uh, the, the office and my team and my manager have been 100% supportive in That's awesome. me, me getting out, which is, which is pretty. Frisco pretty is one of my favorite spots. Breckenridge. I, I just love Breckenridge. Like I could I could live there, uh, potentially. <laughs> it's uh, not only beautiful, it's at, what, like almost 9,500 feet, 9,000 feet. It's, yeah, it's, uh, and it's, what, 25 minutes away from Leadville, depending on how fast you're driving? Yeah, yeah. It's pretty close. <laughs> depending, depending on how late you are for the start of the race. It's, uh, yeah. it's either 20 or 35. Yeah, watch out for the... Uh, the cops around there going into Breckenridge. I've been pulled over there going and volunteering, which actually got me out of the ticket. But um, uh, that's cool that you're doing the altitude to kind of get over that hurdle. And it seems like mentally something's clicking for you. Like I'm really excited and I'm having you on this episode. This is episode 50. So I've been doing this almost once a week for close to a year. And I'll I'll be up there at the start line with you for the 50 mile, the silver rush 50 mile race on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to see how you're progressing and, and seeing that you're enjoying running. I mean, would you say that you're enjoying your training at this point? Are you having fun out there? Uh, yeah, I think so. As much um, as uh, ultra runner with, you know, expectations high on themselves can enjoy it or yeah yeah i think that's a good way to put it i, I think I, I i wish i knew how this changed but um when the the switch flipped it basically came from like oh i need to i probably should run today to like it was just an as- assumption that a run would happen during the day and uh, that sort of change in mindset where um, it was something one I look forward to, but two just was an assumption that I was going to do it and get it done before work. Really changed the dynamic for me. And you know, if anything, I think the biggest thing is waking up at a certain time, even on the weekends. Uh, the I tried last weekend to sleep in, and it was amazing. I got twelve plus hours of sleep. I think I woke up at eleven thirty a.m., which is one of those nice perks of being single and not having any responsibilities on the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't remember those times. <laughs> but, but but when you do that, you know, you end up having a big breakfast, procrastinate a little bit, and I don't think I left the house until 5.30 that night and ended up getting kind of stranded in the dark. So uh, I think the, the big thing, especially for weekend runs for me, is like wake up like it's a weekday, get yeah. that run done and you know there's a lot being talked about getting out during the hottest part of the day to get in that heat acclimatization but yeah. for me yeah. just just getting it done and having the rest of the day to enjoy has has really helped a lot we we just had our second child and legitimately the only time of day that the newborn fell asleep and my wife fell asleep was like it was like they had weather bug and they knew like okay it hits 95 at this hour 
It was, it was like for me the only hour of the day that I had free, and uh, so I was trying to be positive about it and just see it as heat training. But yeah, it's it's been rough on my front. Um, but yeah, Leadville went really well for you. Um, I was excited. I I drove into town and I was like, "Who the heck is that?" And I look over to the right, and it's you. Where the old life is great, or whatever the sign was that they actually tore down um, at ten thousand two hundred feet, you're just running down the street the other way. I would say it was like an hour before the start or half an hour before the start. Sure. Um, it was kind of like did a double take. Oh, that's Mako. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's like getting getting in the miles before the big race. Yeah. Um, and that's a that's a level that I will never comprehend. Just. Uh, just to be straight with you, like seeing, seeing you guys put in a few miles before a race, I'm like, I need to save every ounce of <laughs> ability that I have here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so were you feeling confident after Dirty 30, you know, going yes. into the start line? Like, oh, I have less mileage, if anything, and like your training seems to be going well. Yeah, so I, I first bit the racing bullet in... Uh, mid-May and did the Quad Rock 25 yeah, that's uh, right. before before Dirty 30 and um, I actually was very confident before that race had really good prep the week before just like dialed in nutrition sleeping everything was going pretty well mm-hmm. and on race day it was one it was super muddy which does not play to my strengths at all but two that's an understatement like, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah it was kind of a slop fest but two I, I just don't I mean, I haven't been exposed to that much racing in Colorado and it's just very different than what I'm used to in that it is, there's very little like sustained flat running. It's either you're going up or you're going down and it's on fairly technical steep trails. Mm -hmm. And it it was, it was pretty tough for me. And, uh, it was a eye-opening experience, kind of struggled, fell back to like third or fourth during the race and, um, really hammered it home, but couldn't make any ground on, on the eventual winner. This guy, from Boulder named Jackson Brill, who's, you know, 13 years my younger. So uh, <laughs> that was that was a bit humbling, but it turns out Jackson is in incredible shape and ended up winning Dirty 30 as well. So um, I am a hell of a runner. <laughs> very excited yeah. to see what he's going to do in his future. I, I, know, I know starting that young can be a little risky. I think the, the positive is he's not doing anything too crazy long, too early in his career. So I think he's being smart about his buildup, but... Uh, amazing guy to look out for. Uh, hopefully, for we can sure. get, get, hopefully we can get him in some Nike gear before the end of the year. But his, uh, his jump through the finish line at, at Dirty Thirty, like I could have tapered for it and like, yeah. okay, I'm only here for a jump. Yeah. And he does the whole 50k and just crushes it and comes through the finish line, and it was like an Air Jordan like smacking the sign and he just made it look easy. It was it was pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. he'll surprise a lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. I I'm trying to convince him to sign up for the North Face 50 at the end of this year because I it's a little bit more runnable, so I feel like I have a better chance of keeping up with him. But uh, <laughs> yeah. we'll see we'll see what happens there. But yeah, then Dirty Thirty was kind of an opposite story where the week before I I don't know what came up, but wasn't sleeping particularly well, didn't feel great going into the race, and uh, again lots of climbing. But this climbing was happening several thousand feet higher than at Quad Rock. Yeah. And, that was the the big 
eye-opener for me was like oh my goodness 9500 feet does not feel good and <laughs> had to, and had a hike power hike like very it was probably like a two percent grade but it was over 9000 feet and it just i had, didn't have any time logged above that sort of elevation and it was a little bit warm and i just got really discouraged and grumpy and fortunately the day kind of turned in the last 10k where i went from seventh place and Whoa. ended up passing five five runners in the last uh, stretch there so that had to be an unbelievable finish wow so you got over the top there in correct me if i'm wrong it's like a fairly technical kind of descent from the the top of that altitude does that dive down in and did you just crush the downhill there and feel, um, start feeling good <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, the, the best part of the race for me was honestly when it got so steep so late in the race and everyone was hiking, and I kind of pride myself on my ability to suffer in a power hike, and I think yeah. that's where, where I ended up making a lot of time. I also think the front runners went out a little too aggressively, so they started <laughs> they started feeling it, and it's one of those things in ultra running where if you run your own race, things generally work out but i mean if if it had been three miles shorter i don't know if i would have caught any of them so it's it's really really tough to to gauge that but did you, I mean, did you pass timothy olsen i don't i think he was behind me i didn't see okay him i was just gonna ask you how that feels because that's like <laughs> it has to be unbelievable seeing him finish was really cool <laughs> um well, I, I feel like it built perfectly in. I was actually surprised when you're like, I don't know if, because after the race we were chatting, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to do Leadville. Like, the altitude got to me so bad during this race. Like, am I being stupid, like, signing up for this? Yeah. And you were, you were kind of, like, down on yourself about the altitude aspect of the race. So I half – that's why I was so shocked when I saw you driving to the start line. Like, you were warming up, and I was like, bad boy like he's going after this <laughs> yeah I, I i had some very negative thoughts during dirty 30 and a lot of them were like i can't do the marathon in leadville i certainly can't do the 100 miler there's no way I, yeah this is awful. Um, but what i did do was immediately prioritize altitude uh -huh. and you know from boulder you can get up to magnolia road and even places past that so yeah. you can you can get to eight eight and a half and maybe even nine there but um, to really get up high, you got to drive up into the mountains and make that investment. So I, right before the, the Leadville race, I was like, I'm going to just spend a week in copper, get an, get a cheap Airbnb and just kind of hang out at, I think copper mountains around. Did you get, 92. did you get the, the same unit I got without the air conditioning? Did you have air conditioning there? It was awful. I do not think I had air conditioning. It was a bit. It was a bit warm. It was but... eighty-five. I had like the the very top unit, and it was. It, uh, I never leave bad reviews on anything because yeah. I know how that feels. But yeah, this was a four-star situation. Like, uh... yeah. Um, so you were you were up at Copper, which is ten thousand feet, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't awesome. Know. Certainly, certainly north of nine and. I uh, got in some runs at higher elevation. I think I got up to like 12 one day. And, nice. you know, part of, it, part of it is actually having your body understand how to run up there. But another part is is just like confidence and yeah. feeling better about being up there. And, you just know, time, say, essentially, too. Yeah. And, I mean, I didn't sleep well. I felt pretty terrible on most of my runs up there. But uh, I think it was an important step. And, uh, I probably, and I, I also didn't, 
intentionally didn't really take the week very easily. I still had some decent miles, did some doubles, and wanted to go into the race a little tired just because if you if you try to taper every single time you tow the start line, I just don't don't think that's the best way to build your training. So, yeah, uh, you know, every single one of these races, obviously winning any race is a great feeling and something you'd want to do. But if I didn't win or feel good at any race, but somehow had a great performance at, at Leadville in August, that's the only thing that matters. So that's where the priority is. And um, coming into this race felt great and felt that that week of training was enough to get me going in the right direction. And it took less than two miles to completely lose all of that confidence. <laughs> where, that was um, the same way, man. Uh, yeah. I was out of breath at the start line. It's it's unbelievable. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I kind of jumped off the gun, off the start line pretty well and felt good. But immediately you're just breathing so heavily. Yeah. And it really doesn't, it's not taxing your system completely yet. But what was going through my head was, it's basically 13 miles of uphill running with a couple breaks there, but yeah. how the heck am I going to keep this effort level up for that long? And it was just absolutely demoralizing. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, like the first two miles, I looked down my watch because I, like, I felt like I was exerting a certain level, and then I looked and I, like did a double take, and I'm like, ten and a half minute mile, like that can't be right. It was. It was the weirdest feeling i mean did you have like that moment where you did like a double take at your watch and we're um, trying to put one and one together or... i i very intentionally don't look at paces during the race <laughs> um there's like it's very little advice. positive especially on the uphills um there's very little positive that you can get <laughs> from that the hardest thing for me i think is that each mile just takes longer than you normally expect it to take so yeah um, yeah it, you wouldn't think that a minute or two minutes different per mile would make a big difference, but when it takes 40 minutes to do something that normally takes under 30 minutes to do, it's, I mean, it starts adding up over a long race. And uh, when you're, I think for me, the, the key to altitude for me is running by myself because then I can gauge my own effort, go my own pace. And when you're in a race situation, yeah. you see, uh, is it Timmy Parr? Am I making, is that the right? Yeah. Yeah. This Leadville local. He's, lives, he's like lives. kind of a legend at that race too. Exactly, exactly. He lives and trains at 10,000 feet, so he's just more comfortable with it. He knows all the trails, and it's just climbing like a mountain goat. I don't know if that's uh, – mountain goats are known yeah. for their climbing. But, uh, and there's other runners just half mile ahead, mile ahead. And then I look back at one point, and there's just a string of runners who are right on my heels, and it's just really demoralizing because in my head I'm like, I should. I feel like I'm still a pretty elite runner, but clearly <laughs> was was not the case at altitude and and running uphill. And I had a friend who was filming a little bit of it. And if was you are, Kurt? if you're interested in the action, go to YouTube.com/slash The Mako Show and you can watch the race footage because it's by far the best YouTube video I've I've put out. Um, nice. But, but was, I that, was, just, was that Warner or was that someone else? Yeah, it was Kurt Warner. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm having I'm gonna Warner. have him on the show here too, um, yeah. very shortly. So, yeah, so, how were you feeling going into? Because there's an aid station, and then you see Mosquito Pass, and it's like, oh man. And for you, you you probably even saw the lead runners of like the half marathon, um, which were way, way out. Um, like, how did you mentally approach that when you saw Mosquito Pass? Because you climb and climb, and you 
go around a corner and you think you're close and then it's like another freaking mile or whatever. Well, I think I, I had my lowest moment around mile seven when I saw Kirk and uh, was pretty negative and low about the race. And again, the same thoughts as the Dirty 30. I was like, there's no way I'm doing the 50. There's no way I'm doing the 100. I, I hate this. And I, there was actually some silver lining on Mosquito Pass. You look up and it's a ridiculous climb and you can see this string of ants of people <laughs> going up because the half marathon is, is on the same course. And it was, it was pretty frustrating trying to get up there because – Everyone, yeah. everyone's competing for the one good path of the, good footing, and there's people there's going only up. One, there's only one, and the They're rest going. is what tennis ball size rocks, right? Yeah, so it's this awful jeep road. There's people going up, people going down. You're trying to be polite and get around people, and uh, <laughs> and fortunately, it was so steep, and you're at such high elevation, and it was technical enough that I had to imagine almost everyone else was hiking too. And again, I just feel so much more comfortable when I'm. I feel like it's an equal playing ground, if if not advantage to me, when everyone has to hike, and and so I was I was hiking pretty hard up that, knowing especially that once I got to the top, I thought in my head there was really not any more climbing left. That's, that's what I thought too, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh god! Uh, and unfortunately, that wasn't the case. But <laughs> I, it was it was actually pretty promising to to I, I kept on expecting to see the leaders coming down from the 50 miler and every quarter mile that i went and i hadn't seen them it was giving me a little more confidence that i might be able to catch them and um i think i did the math that you know i passed one or two runners on the climb itself and the leader was about seven minutes up by the time i got to the turnaround and second place was only two or three minutes and and so that that kind of gave me a boost of confidence and that like there's actually this race isn't over yet and you are a pretty good downhill runner, so anything can happen. And I turned around and just absolutely just Crash. took off. Did you and, did you yeah. turn your ankle at all going down? I, I mean, I, I don't know how I didn't fall. I didn't injure myself. It was a miracle. Did you and did you turn anything like slightly? I no, no issues. The, the wow, entire, man, yeah. that's awesome. I, I slightly turned one ankle and I was like, oh, God, like this could be bad. And then just, you know, a few minutes later, it, it wore off and it was fine. No big deal. But, yeah, I was also going twice, you know, or half the half the rate you were going down. So, I mean, there, there's something to be said to just committing fully to a downhill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, if, if it was something steeper. I would have been more hesitant, and I find that when I do that, it ends up just crushing my quads even more. If you can keep like a fluid stride going, and yeah. it's, it was not easy to do on that terrain, but somehow just completely opening up was probably the best thing for my legs at that time. And as the soon hardest, as we, I, for me, it was it was dodging people that were walking down. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sure you experienced that even worse with the half marathon, like like just the amount of movement involved in trying to dodge people left and right and then also watch for um all the rocks everywhere it was it was a heck of a challenge though and i think it's cool learning that you're such a you're you're proud of your climbing abilities and i didn't know you were such a good climber i mean i knew you're you were an excellent ultra runner but (laughs) let's be very clear there i do not pride myself in climbing i think i am uh above average on hiking climbing itself (laughs) is definitely my weakness in running and something that i am constantly trying to improve but for hiking and for for descending i feel like i'm 
pretty competitive. So how how do you feel when was it mile 20, 21, the climb surprise that you know you we were both able to run down and it was comfortable and refreshing, um, but then it kind of never ended on the way up. I'm sure that's kind of right around the point where you were hitting. I mean, did you hit the wall at all? You know, I I knew that the descent was the only place that I was going to make up time on the runners in front of me. So I was just completely reckless and, and all out and not thinking about any sort of pacing <laughs> and um, knew that I'd probably be losing time on, on all the ups. So I, I just was really focused on the downhills. Fortunately, coming into the, the big climb, I finally caught a glimpse of the leader and okay. having, having someone to chase in front of you is just so motivating that um, it, it really made it easier. And when you, when you pass somebody at that stage of the race, it's very unusual for them, if you can kind of maintain some semblance of, of your pace, for them to have a second wind and catch up. So I, I definitely, the motivation of catching up to somebody and then knowing yeah. that you were running probably at a faster pace than the people behind you just made it a little bit more relaxing. And then, I mean, for me personally, I was like waiting for the all, all downhill to the finish line. And it like never came like, <laughs> like I want to say it was like mile 23 or something had the, like this surprise 400 foot climb up where I was like, are you serious? Like we should be all downhill by now. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you, yeah. did you just climb up it and just, I mean, you had to crush the last two miles. Um, yeah, I mean, the the theme for the whole day was uh, running within myself and not really. I mean, I'm I'm I've heard horror stories about going too hard and just redlining and, and not being able to recover all day. So yeah, even even when I was in the lead and was super excited and pumped full of adrenaline, I was very responsible and conservative on on all the uphills. So. I was not afraid to hike. Uh, often I would like, you know, kind of be upset with myself or get discouraged if I if I did that, but one it's just way more efficient and and two I don't actually know if I would have been running that much faster if I if I was running rather than hiking. So even in the latest stages of the race, uh, even when I could see the top of the climb, I was like, "You know what? Yeah. I'm just going to I'm just going to run and then I'll make up the time on the descent." And yeah, that last last couple of miles was fun. You're passing half marathoners who are either incredulous because they're like, was this guy in my race? Why is he going so hard? Uh, <laughs> this and, half uh, marathoner really had yeah, a good yeah. last wind here. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and most importantly, I was trying to put as much time on, on Lance Armstrong as I could. So, Oh was- my gosh. That's, that's something we have similar. That's, <laughs> that's the one, one aspect of the race that we have similar that we both beat Lance Armstrong. I, I give the guy credit for being out there, and uh, I think he's doing Leadman this year. So is he? Is he? Yeah, I I think uh, if I say anything negative, I'm going to get it right back during the bike race during <laughs> next Saturday here for the Silver Rush 50. Um, I I feel like it would be just bad karma saying anything negative <laughs> about anyone. So <laughs> yeah, I think he. Uh, I want to say. I mean, I he mentioned a little bit about the race in one of his 
uh, cycling podcast, and it was pretty fun to, to get his analysis. I don't think he did any training leading up to it, and, and he was running with a group of folks, so I, I don't know. He was if... stopping to take pictures, and yeah. I it's I just half-jokingly say that. Um, <laughs> I don't think this was anything serious at all for him. But that being said, if he is interested in pacing someone at the Leadville 100, I am still looking for pacers. So wow. I don't know. I don't know if Lance subscribes yet to your podcast, but if he does, I, I'll I'll reach out. <laughs> I, I mean, I gotta I gotta play matchmaker here because I mean, between you being most eligible bachelor in Boulder, um, I gotta step up my game because I've let you down. I know I know you were talking about stopping by Denver at some point, and I think I let you down when I was like, you'd have to sleep on the sofa, <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, I got to step up my game for you. Um, so we we both have Silver Rush fifty coming up here. The run. I I'm an idiot and decided to do Silver King and do a bike on Saturday, of fifty miles and and then try to do the run um, <laughs> just to make it extra fun for myself. How are you feeling going into the uh, fifty miler in Leadville? I'm not pleased that you mountain bikers are taking the Saturday race date because not a huge fan of Sunday races. <laughs> um, Sunday is about recovery and brunch and, and all sorts of fun things. So Yeah, no uh, mimosas, unfortunately. Well, yeah. they could come later. They can probably come later. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I, I just did the four-pass loop this past weekend over in Aspen, which is just an absolutely unbelievable uh, run, hike, route in uh in aspen and i am hesitant to even talk about it because the number of people who are discovering it is growing and growing and there's a lot of tourists out there and uh, it's getting getting pretty getting pretty crowded but it's you know 20 a little under 27 miles probably eight thousand feet of climbing and you're flirting between 10 and 12 five in terms of elevation so it's a it's a pretty pretty brutal day and there's just this third pass that we went up i thought my life was going to end and i assumed that <laughs> the, the fourth one was going to be equally bad and i was just so worried about how miserable that was going to feel and fortunately we survived but uh the, the takeaway was it ended up taking i was probably out there for almost six hours and there's a fatigue that your body gets that's like deeper than any sort of like muscle soreness or leg tired, uh, tired legs that yeah. you experience when you're out there that long, like surviving off of goose and, and water and, and energy gels and um, electrolyte products. And it was important to have that experience. I, I took it very conservatively, but um, I am very well aware that there's no way the 50 miler will, will take less than six hours. So I, I need to expect and plan for a, a much longer day and, I'm just going to approach it the same way I did the marathon, the same way I really approached this long run where uh, I can't control how well other people are going to run, but right. I, I don't, I don't want to get to mile 30 and feel like, oh my goodness, I have to do it <laughs> miles. So we're going to be very conservative from the gun and, and just focus on, on running a, a safe, what I, I, I'm calling it, I'm, I'm branding this infinity pace, which is like... Yeah. That's, what's the what's the I, pace you can run for pretty much ever? Because I just call I that do, the hundred mile pace, but yeah, exactly. <laughs> infinity pace. Because this is like a, a dress rehearsal for the the hundred, and I have to find a pace that I can be comfortable with for running at high elevation for an extended period of time, and dialing in the nutrition, doing that all correctly. 
I would love to finish the race and be like, I could have gone another 50 miles, but I, I doubt that'll be the case. I'll probably push it a little bit at the end, but yeah. uh, I'm feeling I'm feeling very good, and I've I've clocked a lot more days at altitude. I uh, like two weeks ago, I drove up Thursday night, then stayed until Monday and drove back Monday morning, and then and got into work by Monday. So that was four days at at 9,000 feet, and uh, I'm here all week. And so I'm, I'm hoping that time is, is going to start to make a difference. Certainly this past weekend felt a lot better than my first experiences just at eight to 9,000 feet. So it's slowly making a difference. I, I, I don't think the science says that, you know, sporadic three-day stints at altitude is the best way to do it, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's the most that I can do right now. And I'm, I'm definitely trying to, to do as much as I can while balancing work. I was in New York uh, Wednesday through Friday, so... You know, I flew back, got in at like 8.30, drove to Frisco, got four hours of sleep, then had to drive to Aspen to do that run on, on Saturday. So, um, I, uh, you know, you have to, have to figure out a way to, to make some exceptions, take a little risk on, on some of your sleep in order to, to fit in some of these fun adventures. That's awesome. And, you know, I, I forgot to ask you, do you think the uh, Leadville Marathon was equivalent to uh, like a 50K effort? like within your perceived effort? Because for me it was, but I just wanted to get your perspective because middle of the pack, every effort's a 50K minimum effort. I I have had very few experiences that, uh, like that first 13 miles, that was just unbelievably difficult. Yeah, uh, that's, I kept uh, like thinking in my head, like it feels like a 35-mile type race, but yeah. it's, it was 26.2, so... Yeah, and in terms of time, you know, it was longer than most 50Ks I've ever done. <laughs> so yeah. uh, certainly on that front. Um, so, yeah, it's it's thank goodness it wasn't a 50K. <laughs> it was only a marathon. But I know. I, I That's the only marathon I've ever been to where I was like, please, please let this end. Like, <laughs> But, yeah, I, I, I have to say I think I'm, I might be bringing you a little bit of good luck uh, for the 50-mile race. Um, because I was at Behind the Rocks when you just crushed past me. I was doing the 50K, and you were doing the 50-mile. I think you won that one. And then like, this is the only other race we've done at the same time. So I'm bringing you, like, middle to back of the pack. Good luck, <laughs> omens, for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> Although, after that bike ride, I don't I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Is this uh, out and back? Do you know what course what the course looks like? I think okay. it is. I think okay. it is for the most part, yeah. Um, and it's, it's only, only 8,000 feet of gain. Um, so actually I think the marathon was going to be harder, you know, if you can perceive it that way. Um, just cause the marathon was what, 6,000 feet of gain, yeah. yeah, which that packs a lot of gain in for 26. So the sure. fact that this will be hopefully a little more spread out. Um, but yeah, I don't know the course that well yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited that you're, you're excited and you seem to have like rekindled, you know, the love of running and you seem to be out exploring and enjoying it. So like, I'm truly excited for you. Um, I think, I think that's awesome. And so it sounds like Leadville hundred is sort of, is that your A race of the year? Um, it's certainly the first A race. Um, I would <laughs> nice. I, I, like, I, would, that. I like that. I would like to 
I had a very, very poor showing at the North Face 50 last year in Marin in November, and uh, I'd like to have a bit of redemption there just because I think that course um, suits my strengths uh, pretty well, and so that, that'll be another big focus for the year. I think yeah. the, hard, the hardest thing for especially aspiring elite runners or, or runners who believe they are already elite um, is that you want to chase these big races, so you want to do Western States, you want to be at Chamonix at the end of August, and it it can really set you up for failure if one you're not prepared for that sort of a race and two like you could have a great day and finish 10th and that's not always easy to swallow and so i think my approach this year i mean obviously i didn't get into western states so that wasn't really an option but uh you know leadville the leadville race series i unfortunately i don't think has gets quite as much attention and publicity as it may have in years past but it's a still an extremely well-run race uh, the history behind the race is, is hard to ignore. And so I feel like it's a really good opportunity for me to re-enter ultra running, get a chance to, to compete at a pretty high level with, with a couple of really exceptional athletes. But, but also, you know, instead of being excited about getting on the podium or even finishing top 10 in a race, I, I'm going to enter this race hoping to win and having that as my goal. And, I think that's a, a really positive way to approach it. I similarly in my road marathoning days, I I did you know a Boston and New York City marathon, but the the marathons that I got most excited were the local ones where I, I felt like I could be competitive and had a chance to win. I think that sets you up for for the most success. So I'm a little more realistic that I I'm not sure if I can compete at the the very highest level right now, but. Um, this will certainly be hopefully a, a great confidence boost and just a great experience in general and a kind of slow ease my way back into the, the ultra competitive scene. So um, this will be a great step. I would love to do something exceptional at Leadville and then, yeah, the North Face, something at the end of the year. And then hopefully we figure out this Western States thing and can get out there next year and it'll be the coolest year in history. And uh, I'll have a great day out there because I still have some quite a bit of unfinished business out there. I think you just, if you join the Coconino Cowboys, you get, like, a entry, pretty much. I mean, it's like, if you want the easy route to States, you just, um, I, I don't know what their application process is like. Um, I'm joking, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I should have something witty to, to reply with here. but I don't, I don't, I don't edit. If jokes go flat... <laughs> <laughs> this this makes the cut. Oh, um, no, I I think you're gonna do awesome. Like I think your your attitude's so mature, like like night and day. Um, and I I totally agree with you on Leadville. For whatever reason, in the past, like you know something negative transpired, but um, I think it's a a truly special race. And from what I can tell. I mean, it's they they're it's a well-run race. They're respecting the area a lot. I mean, they have like zero tolerance on littering, and um, I really like the town of Leadville. I like I like volunteering. Like I'm I'm gonna volunteer and help course mark, and uh, I might work an aid station. I might pace for Leadville, and I'm I I don't think I'm gonna even need the lottery entry. So it's not even about that. Um, I just like helping that community. I think it's a special place that mm -hmm. needs us all to 
to pitch in every now and then and help them out. So um, I totally agree with you on that. So I have a Patreon supporter that's asking, his name's Jason, what's what's special about Western states to you? Because, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious that that's a very, very special race to you. Um, where did the meaning come from, and why, why do you strive so hard to um, make it to Western states? That's a great question. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I always value races that are, are local to me. And I was, I was living in San Francisco, I was living in Marin, and so um, Auburn area, it's, it's hard to have a job in tech and be much closer to Auburn than San Francisco. So uh, in terms of just the history there, the fact that, you know, I, I trained up there quite, not enough, but uh, quite a bit and, you know, started recognizing some of the locals. It just, it's meaningful to, to be in an area where people are cheering for you. They know your name and um, it's, you know, I still think it is the biggest hundred mile race in the country, if not the world. So uh, you're competing against the best athletes in the sport, especially American athletes. So, and the, the tests that it provides with the heat and everything else that goes on at that race is just um, unique in its kind. I also think it plays very strongly to my strengths. And so that's a couple of the reasons. It was the really the reason I even entered ultra running. I'd heard a lot about the race. Yeah. Late 2015 decided, okay, next year I'm going to try to qualify. And that was the focus for the year. And I uh, just have a lot of, I mean, it's the only 100 miler I've ever done. So I think the memories and experiences you have deep into a hundred mile and the crew, especially with your crew and the pacers is just so deep and meaningful that it'll always be a special place for me. Now Leadville has a very good opportunity to replace that because now Leadville is more home than, than California is. But uh, again, I think just because of the competitive nature of the course and, and uh, where it is and where it was in my life is, is pretty meaningful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, I appreciate you taking so much time. I just have one or two other quick questions. I mean, it seems like you picked up David Roach and he's made an impact on your running, like at least the outcomes. Um, it seems like things are getting better for you and you seem stoked to get out and like hit the trails. And, um, what, what's your big takeaway from having a coach and what, what advice do you really kind of internalize from David? Yeah, I think we we already discussed the the somebody to tell you no and yeah. how valuable it is as, to have a second opinion. Uh, the other really big thing and is probably one of David's you know magical abilities is his awareness of his athletes. I maybe two or three weeks ago was starting to lose a little bit of focus, lose a little motivation, and you know he he is only seeing what I post on Strava. And a couple of comments that I leave in our doc, but um, I kind of was sold that he was the right coach for me during this week because in the middle of the week he he left some comment like, "Hey, are you are you losing focus? Are you are, do you need to take a break? What's going on?" And that awareness is just unbelievable that he can pick that out off of so few signals. Yeah. So um, I think that's the the most meaningful part of the relationship. And you know, I'm, I'm sure I annoy him at times and. I try to to flirt on the edge of, of what he's he's suggested as uh, training and having some give and take where he is 
respectful of my opinions and, and my wishes as well is great, but um, it's been very helpful to have somebody guide me and just not have to worry about on a daily basis questioning what I need to do when I wake up. And, you know, I f- might feel terrible on a given day and really not want to go running. And I'm, if I had done this training on my own, maybe I would have had unreasonable expectations for what sort of mileage I wanted to hit. And being able to hit the targets that he has for me every day is 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 really nice. Being able to check that box every day saying I did what what he expected of me is 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 really awesome and so he he's figured out that magical potion where it's just enough that it's still challenging but it's enough that I can also accomplish it that's awesome to hear and Mako I've I've been a big fan I I think your future's only going to get brighter like I'm really really excited for just your mental outlook on on running and whatnot I got to hit your sponsors and gear really quick and then we'll call it a day here so socks have you ever ventured into toe socks <laughs> it's it's very easy to talk about sponsors because i i basically <laughs> have one that can take care of almost all of my apparel needs so so nike's gonna make some toe socks <laughs> I, I don't know if that's in the future but uh um i Sorry. Uh, had to i, I, I just had, had to <laughs> push the envelope a little bit there I'm head to toe in Nike, and unfortunately, I think as we speak, uh, our racing kit for this year is being delivered to to my apartment, but uh, because I'm in Frisco, I will not be able to accept it in time for the next race. So, I mean, I I can bring it up for you if needed. Just let me know. <laughs> um, and, and so in terms of uh, hydration uh, bottles, you're using all the Nike gear. In terms of nutrition, it sounds like you use goo for most of your products. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been uh, pretty loyal to the to the Goo brand. I, I know probably half of the company. Uh, they're based, you know, just just over on the other side of the bay, and uh, so I'm very loyal to the Goo brand. Some of their new flavors of gels have just just made a huge difference in terms of taste, like the the marshmallow and the s'mores. And even their their like limited release birthday cake edition uh, are all are all great products. So I've I've been pretty reliant on their stuff. Uh, I use all of their hydration products as well, from their Roctane to the just the hydration um, to to make sure that I get the right you know sodium calories in me. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm I'm pretty much willing to stuff anything into my body that my my stomach will process and yeah. Uh, I've been I've been grateful that uh, their products seem to to bode pretty well in my system. And then, do you use a specific watch, a GPS watch? Um, I have been using. I I was a Garmin man for all of my my road days. I switched to Sunto, um, just because somebody gifted me a Sunto watch. They're making your nice watches. They're making uh, really nice watches. But uh, I I don't know what the equivalent Garmin is, but the Suntos have just incredible battery life so yeah. that's the thing for me my big my biggest qualm with them is that they're uh they're uploading to strava is sometimes a bit uh, wishy-washy and they're it's buggy and it takes some time and uh it's unbelievable how waiting a minute to to see it on strava can make a difference to you but yeah uh, that's interesting that's, that's the their move moves count app needs a little bit of work but in general i've been i've been very satisfied with we, the app we need to log miles in on twitter on our twitter profiles somehow yeah. Um, what what uh, specific shoe do you wear? Do you, is it still Wild Horse or what? What are they making now that you wear? I might be I, way way old on that. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I 
So I, I still log a fair number of miles on roads and what I would call runnable trails. And so I, I mix my shoes up quite a bit and we'll switch from either the Pegasus or the Vomeros for, for road running um, to even something faster like a, a racing flat, like a, a streak um, for very fast workouts. But then for trails, for shorter stuff, I really lo- like the, the Kyger. And for, for the longer distance, it's it's the wild horse. It should show up Leadville 100. Can you do it in Jordans, do you think? Is that even, is that possible? Has I, that ever I, been done? Yeah. Is that like a Guinness Book of World Records situation? Well, J- Jordan is actually getting, the brand is getting into to track and running a little bit. So they've, awesome. Uh, awesome. They, they have, they sponsor, I believe they sponsor Vashtai Cunningham, who's a high jumper. Um, which which makes sense, but Matthew Centrowitz also wore a, a Jordan kit for Prefontaine, I believe. So um, they're beginning to flirt in that space. The the hardest thing for me that I wish, as boring as it would be, I would love if the the 50 miler and the the marathon were on similar course to to the actual 100, just so I could get a sense for the terrain. Because I'm actually uh, considering that it'd be a pretty strategic advantage to be able to switch your shoes into something that. Uh, might be a bit more runnable if it's not technical. Oh. A a roach a roach shoe. Yeah, might I mean, be might you're, be faster. You're welcome uh, Thursday. I'll mark the course. I'll I'll be up at power line. If you want to join me, feel free. Um, <laughs> it's a good section there. Uh, craziest uh, wildlife encounters that you've had. Have you had any kind of like nasty animal encounters, <laughs> or have they all been? I mean, yeah. Well, you're yeah. moving to, to real animal country, although there's mountain lions probably, uh, you know, where you were previously. Um, well, last last thought on the shoes. My dream is, you know, they've been making a lot of uh, publicity in the last six months about uh, the four percenters that have been really helpful for marathoners. Yeah. If, yeah. if we could throw a little bit more traction on those shoes, <laughs> I feel like the last – if I had any legs left in the last 20 miles of the marathon, if I if I went into this awesome, super light, super efficient shoe, that that could at least be a good press story. Even if it doesn't feel good, it'll be a good press story. I mean, so. what would you call the shoe? The Mako? <laughs> I, I can see sales taking off pretty quickly, I mean, actually. You need a shoe. I think yeah. you would do well. I mean, if you think about what 4% over a... You know, hundred miles, sixteen-hour race. That starts. <laughs> it starts adding up pretty seriously. Um, animals, crazy animals. I have not had many. Fortunately, I've not had any run-ins with big, scary animals. I've run over a couple snakes, but um, I no moose, no elk, no mountain lions, no lynx, no um, bobcats. Even since I've been out here, I, I saw a couple in in California. So. I, I'm kind of counting count the days until I'll, I'll have a scary run-in, but fortunately that has not happened and for good measure because I honestly would not have the skills or, <laughs> or knowledge to know how to, to handle the situation. Like, is this one where I'm supposed to stand tall? <laughs> one where I'm supposed yeah. to run? Yeah, I'd do the opposite too. I, I'd probably botch it in the moment. you got to watch out for rattlesnakes. I, I just came across a big one. Um, in all seriousness, around here... Uh, they're no joke, so keep your eyes open there, because you're moving twice as fast as I am. Um. <laughs> well, the good news is, I, I, I hope it's still true, but over 8,000 feet, apparently they don't enjoy that sort of elevation. So I think we're safe up here, but definitely back in Boulder, I'm I'm very aware and nervous. Like, every route looks like a yeah. snake. 
every boulder looks like a bear. So yeah, I'm 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 definitely I have my eyes away. I had, I had a listener <laughs> ask me about that. They're like, when you see a snake, then everything looks like a snake afterwards. Like, how do you handle that? And my thought, I mean, what I told him was treat everything as if it were a snake. I mean, it's it's not worth it because I mean some of the snake bites are pretty serious so um last question for you and again thank you so much for taking all this time here um advice for someone thinking about their first ultra i mean how did you even go about approaching you know making that transition if someone has run a few marathons or a few half marathons and you know they heard about the local 50k race like what kind of advice would you give that person I'd say start small. I think the the tendency runners and, and in particular trail runners have is like, I need to do the most intense, hardest, longest thing possible. And that's the only way to validate myself as a, as an athlete, as a runner, as a human being. And I just think that's a terrible approach. Like um, for anyone who was like, oh, I'm gonna make the Leadville Marathon my first ultra. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. like, it's just a very difficult, course and you really should ease your way into it and you know if you show see a race and they have a 50k and a 30k option or even a half marathon option like uh, at least for me i always am like i got to do the longest distance but uh, there's definitely opportunities to 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 choose the shorter distances find races that maybe don't have a crazy amount of elevation gain aren't incredibly technical and and really give your chance to to get adjusted to to this new type of running because it is just so different than than what you're used to and it'd be awful to have your first experience go terrible and never want to do it again so start with something that's approachable well within your means and and then build from there because very few road marathoners go immediately into a 26 mile race but somehow in the trail running world it's like oh a 50k that doesn't sound that bad (laughs) and it's a serious distance (laughs) and you you need to approach nine thousand feet again i can do that that's not too much Exactly. <laughs> well, Chris, I'm I'm really excited for you. I, I think you you've just you've matured so much since the last time we talked before North Face. I mean, truly, truly amazed. And I know a lot a lot of listeners have been asking to have you on the show and you know, you have a lot of fans, but I can only see um your running growing with you know, how you're approaching running at this point. So thank you so much for joining me. Where can people follow you on social media? Twitter at Chris Mako, Instagram, I want to say at C Mako, and of course, subscribe to YouTube, The Mako Show on YouTube. Yes. Um, those are your, your avenues for following me. I try to, I've been doing this life hack where I log out of Instagram after I've used it, and it, it helps remove some of those tendencies where you're like, oh, I'm bored for two minutes, let me do something. And so I've, I've eliminated a little bit of Instagram time. I feel pretty good about that, but. Um, I'm, I'm pretty active on all those channels, but, uh, yeah, I mean, congrats Rob on getting to 50 episodes. I think that's incredible as a, as somebody who produces a show, I know how difficult it is to be consistent. And, uh, and in March, I kind of challenged myself to get an episode out once a week and I did a pretty good job for probably two months, but, uh, it's, it's, it's a struggle and it's hard and it's a lot of work and it's 
you often don't see the the payoff for all that work and um it it it's really incredible that you've been able to rack up 50 episodes now so congratulations for that and uh i hope the mountain bike goes goes well because uh i uh, i'll definitely yeah. be thinking when i'm when i'm hurting on sunday i'm gonna be thinking well at least when, i didn't have to do a mountain bike the day before yeah when when you see me throwing up can you just kind of like pat me on the back and run mm-hmm. off <laughs> Oh, you're going to have a great race, man. Thank you again for uh, the kind words. And yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited for you. So thank you very much. And yeah, I'm, I'm in, you know, in podcasting for the money. Ultra, exactly. ultra running podcasts. It's all about the money, right? The sea money. Exactly. So have a good night, man. Thank you again. All right. Take care, Ram. I'm joined here by Dave Bromlick. He is on his way for the Colorado Trail. He starts tomorrow. Pretty amazing how he's just walking out his front door and just walking the, I think it's 30, 35 miles to uh, Waterton Canyon. Is that right, Dave? Um, I don't know exactly. I haven't mapped it out or anything, but I don't think it's quite 35, maybe 30. It's a high-end estimate. And then it's another six miles into Waterton Canyon to get to anywhere before I can camp. So I know tomorrow is going to be a long day, definitely my longest, longest day of the entire trip. So it'll be good to get that out of the way early, I suppose. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, you could have easily gotten an Uber or, you know, a ride from a friend over yeah. to Waterton Canyon to start your trip, but you're making it, you're you're adding that extra distance. Why are you, Why are you starting that way? Um, I think it's just kind of a neat thing to do. It's more like because it's because it's there, right? You can say that about the entire trail. But, um, the, you know, I live really close to the Bluffs Regional Park trail system here in Lone Tree. And uh, that connects to the East-West Trail, which goes right over to the Highland Canal Trail, which connects to Waterton Canyon. So basically because I can take trails all the way over to the official start of the Colorado Trail in Warren Canyon. That's kind of why it appealed to me. If that trail wasn't there and I had to walk roads, I would definitely um, be just taking an Uber or some other form of transportation to get there. Yes. So So we, I I came over today and we did a a YouTube video that you guys should check out on, on Dave's gear. I mean, I was shocked when I picked up your bag. It was what was it 36 and change pounds yeah about about 36 and a half pounds fully loaded with water and food for five days i mean my little so. my little toddler <laughs> ben weighs like 32 pounds so i could have four <laughs> pounds of food plus my toddler on my back it was i was shocked though how heavy that is are you it seems like you're pretty comfortable with that yeah i've carried that weight before I guess for, um, you know, similar mileage days like I'm going to be doing. Obviously, I wish it was a little bit lighter, and that weight will drop as you start to eat that food and drink that water, obviously. Um, but you kind of get used to it. The weight kind of does become a part of you. And the way, like, the modern packs are designed, they really do uh, distribute the weight the weight well. So it, 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 makes it, it makes it doable for sure. What what are your thoughts going into this? I mean, I'm intimidated the night before a hundred mile ultra with drop bags and a crew. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like well, 
Like, how are how are you feeling going in? Pretty much, you're just relying on yourself for this whole thing, aren't you? Yeah, I sent some mail drops, but as far as how I'm feeling, um, you know, I'm feeling you know pretty calm right now. Like, I don't, I'm not super jittery. Um, I guess it just kind of hasn't set in with that. You know, the call it like I've been planning it for months, thinking about it for months, researching it, buying gear, thinking about what I'm going to eat, doing free hikes, and it just kind of seemed like you know that date that's far off in the future, and it still doesn't feel like like it's happening tomorrow morning, but it is. So I don't know. Maybe when I'm walking that first those first few miles tomorrow, maybe I'll feel a little bit. I don't know if apprehensive is the right word or jittery, but I don't know. Right now I feel pretty calm, so hopefully I'll get some sleep tomorrow or tonight. But uh but yeah. What what are you most excited about, you know, for this upcoming adventure you're about to go on? Um just really getting out there and seeing um Colorado. I think just walking and running too, of course, to different places. Um, and just being on foot is the best way to see stuff and the best way to kind of experience what a place has to offer. And really, I love to have different experiences and different memories. And this is just, you know, going to be one of those. So, yeah, really just want to get up there, get out into the mountains what the collegiate peaks are all about just really really enjoy um colorado so i mean this is going to be a heck of a year for you because this is essentially i mean this sounds crazy but are you are you essentially using this as training for the leadville 100 miler that you have coming up uh yeah in fact i am so um i guess you a little bit of background so i first kind of had the idea to hike the Colorado Trail um, back in the fall, and around that time, I entered the lottery for Leadville, and I figured, well, um, if I get into Leadville, then I'll do that, and if I don't, then I can hike the Colorado Trail, but I ended up getting into Leadville, and in that time, I had done all this research about it, I was getting really, really excited, I figured I I really, really wanted to do it, and then I get into Leadville, and I was like, hmm. Well, maybe I'll just do both. So, and <laughs> I sort of rationalized it as well. You know, it is a lot of time on feet, obviously, and it's a lot of time at high altitude, which is perfect for Leadville. The average elevation on the Colorado Trail is something like 10,200 feet. So, it's I like think it will be. in Leadville, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, really, shouldn't make altitude too much of a an issue. Leadville. I am kind of concerned about you know not running for 23 days, but and eating uh, junkier foods than I normally eat. Yeah, you'll, you'll be burning so many calories. There's yeah, no, I, I don't know. There's no way. <laughs> There's yeah, no way you're going to put on weight food. here. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, 2018, you start off the year what in? in Boston you qualified for Boston last year so you the last spring yes that's a heck of a marathon to of all the years you have to do Boston (laughs) yeah that rain was was pretty crazy so hopefully uh 
<laughs> no rain quite like that. But uh, yeah. I guess with the mountains, you never really know. So I'll be prepared for it, I guess that's all I can say. And then you, uh, did you follow up Boston with Black Canyon 100K? Well, Black Canyon was in February. Okay, okay, I got it backwards then. Yeah. Okay, so you did Black Canyon 100K as your tune-up race for Boston? <laughs> uh, sort of. I'm probably I'm more <laughs> invested in Black Canyon than Boston, to be honest. You, yeah, Boston, you, you, still, you still did amazing at Boston. What were you, three hours even? Uh, three hours, eight seconds. Eight seconds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I forgot so. about that. <laughs> and so yeah, where those eight seconds came from. And then you did quad rock, right? Yeah, quad rock. Um, it's probably one of the toughest or the toughest race I've ever done, just with all the climbing. And that was also a pretty wet day, not as bad as Boston, but it got really, really muddy, and I had a lot of stomach and nausea problems. Yeah, but. I didn't drop, I gutted it out, got the finish, so it kind of taught me a lot. It was good to have a race like that, I guess, where you don't feel good for the vast majority of it. Yeah, I, I was just talking to Courtney DeWalter about that, and I think that her her bad race at, uh, I think it was Mount Fuji, I think played a, a big role in how well she ran Western States because it's like a wake-up call and a sobering reminder that you're human, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. So you're going to have the Colorado Trail, and then are you finishing the year with Leadville? Is that how you'll you'll end um, it? Knowing you, you'll probably throw something in towards the end too. Yeah, I want to do something in the fall for sure. So targeting a couple different things for around November. I haven't really decided what exactly yet, but um, and yeah. obviously the focus right now is on the summer. So are you, I mean, just going back to the Colorado Trail, like, I, do you have thoughts going into this? Or, I mean, you're, you're saying that, like, it's just not even, it doesn't seem real yet. I mean, uh, yeah. Like, what's what? What are your thoughts on like? What if the first three days are like just awful? Like, have you learned through ultra running how to do through hiking? Because it taught you kind of that mentality. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, there are similarities, but I think running is a stiff hiking. Um, it's, it's long. Like ultra running is long, but hiking is longer. Like, it's just more time. You're out there. You know, there's not a finish line and a cold beer waiting for you. There's um, just ramen or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just other crappy food waiting for you. So from, from that aspect, I think it might be a little bit more mentally tough, especially if your feet hurt, if you're cold, if you're tired. There's not really a refuge, yeah. uh, at least not an immediate one. So you really have to be self-reliant. So... Um, as far as being, you know, apprehensive or jittery or worried about like the first three days not going well, it's not really a concern. I've done three different pre-hikes already this year that have all been at least three days long. And, you know, that really hasn't happened. I was on the Appalachian Trail 
last week for a four-day, 110-mile section, and it was really humid, living in Colorado, not used to humidity like that, really affected me, my feet really hurt, but yeah, I was still able to get up every day and grind out the miles, so I know I can do it, I know I'm mentally tough, I know I'm, I know I'm fit enough, so yes, it's a matter of getting out there and doing it. Is it... And, is it similar to getting out of the chair at like mile eighty? Like you know how it takes. Well, like, I've never been mile eighty yet. Okay. So. <laughs> like okay, in a hundred miler, you sit in the chair and essentially you get handed you know. a cup of ramen yeah. or something, or like uh-huh. a javelina the, the grilled cheese was what I was sitting, sulking and eating, and actually it helped yeah. me. Um, but I swear, like, you get up and you're, like, creaky and, like, it literally, you just walk and eat for, like, a quarter of a mile until you can even think about running again. Like, is that, is that what you've experienced, like, day three of, of some of your hikes with huge packs on? Does it take, like, an hour or two to, like, get things warmed up and back to where they were uh, the previous day? Or do you feel refreshed? I usually wake up feeling refreshed, for sure. But, and also, like, with running, there's a lot more, I think, just, you know, micro, like, muscle damages that just make make it so hard to get out of that chair late, late in a race. It doesn't happen as much with hiking. I mean, maybe if you get out there and you kind of do stuff that's way, like, over your head from a fitness standpoint, then maybe. But at least for me, I don't really get to the point where I feel like I do at the end of a hard ultra with hiking, even with a pack on. So I don't know, I'm not, not too worried, worried about that. Um, you know, it is important to listen to your body, get proper rest, eat as well as you can for the trail, which I know is, is hard to do. And I guess we can talk about that a little bit too. But, um, you know, it's part of the reason I'm only doing 25 mile days and not, you know, 40 mile days. Yeah. It's just really hard to do hiking. So, yeah, I mean, you have 23 days and worst case scenario, you could camp you could literally you could camp out all day in the same spot and take one extra rest day and it's 24 yeah, days. I mean, uh, not... yeah, there's a term for that in uh, hiking, it's called taking a zero. Okay. So, I, I don't really that. plan on doing that. So, yeah, yeah, there's a zero and then there's a nero and nero is uh <laughs> close to it so like maybe you hike just a couple miles and then take a siesta all day i mean but i'm not planning on any of those it's like a worst case testing. scenario but you're still like yeah you know i mean you're, you're still able to accomplish it regardless um that's cool that you're not taking any that makes it um an added challenge i could see myself taking one and then like a week later being like ah. That was pretty yeah, nice. I have, a, I have a couple of days that are like <laughs> half days that are like 13 miles. I think might be my smallest day that I have planned. Yeah. Right. I, I'll, I'll be interested to follow along, and I know you're going to try to post a few pictures on Instagram. Uh, yeah. Just where, where can people follow you on Instagram for those updates? Yeah, it's just my name, at David Bromlich, B-R-A-U-N-L-I-C-H. I'm going to try to do an Instagram post every day. So obviously, cell phone services is pretty limited Yeah, on the Colorado Trail, but try to do one at least once a day. 
And yeah. I'll be posting every day to Strava too. I'll be keeping my Garmin charged, and so you can see exactly where I am on a day to day basis. That's cool. And for the listeners' background, Dave's going to try to send us a one minute clip per day, just as a summary, and I'll I'll condense those down into, you know where Dave has been for like the last roughly a week. So you'll hear that seven minute update on, you know, day one through seven, you know, eight through whatever. And just, it will be fun to follow along. I'm, I'm really excited to follow along and Dave's been a big supporter and he, um, he's sort of my first athlete that I'm trying to back because <laughs> you're train you're essentially training for ultra right now doing the CT, which is insane. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to follow along and if I had a month off, I'd be, I'd be tagging along for this adventure cause man, it sounds exciting. I mean, so two questions to kind of wrap this up. First of all, what are you most scared of intimidated, you know, about doing this? Cause I mean, I think most people 500 miles in any condition would be difficult but you're doing this at altitude and I can tell you I don't feel like eating my heart rate's up high like takes a day or two for my eyes not to be basically bloodshot like you're going to be doing this at high altitude like what intimidates you the most what are you scared of um you know in this adventure um definitely lightning is the thing that's kind of you know been something I've done the most research about, seeing what other people have to say, because a lot of the trail is above treeline, and Colorado in July in the mountains is known to have a lot of thunderstorms. So really, my biggest fear is being out above treeline in the afternoon, and a thunderstorm kind of just comes out of nowhere and there's really nowhere for you to go and then it's on you and you just have to you know cross your fingers that you're not going to get struck by lightning yeah um but obviously there's ways to mitigate the risks so i'll be trying to heed to those as much as possible um really the most important thing is to get the most of your miles in in the morning before the storms come through in the afternoon um, read the clouds, watch the weather. I know that it can be very unpredictable, but you should still be able to see see things coming. Um, and if you do get stuck, you're supposed to take your suiting pad out, throw it down on the ground, ditch your trucking poles, crouch down like a baseball catcher, and click your heels together. And that way you should <laughs> be at least a little bit safer from getting hit by lightning so i mean hundreds of people do it every year if not thousands and i don't know if anyone has ever um had too much of an issue with lightning i know it happens to people climbing 14ers but i don't know about through hikers on the colorado trail but it's still it's still a concern it's definitely you know my my biggest worry i know there's there's other potential risks out there, like being at high altitude, um, mountain lions are out there, um, you know, severe weather, you're apart from lightning, 
but you know it's just a matter of being you know prepared having the right gear which i hope i have at this point yeah and i'm still i'm still amazed at the pack (laughs) (laughs) picking picking up that 36 pound pack was just like mind-blowing uh i still can't get over it I think you're gonna do great, Dave. I'm I'm excited for you. I know you've waited a long time for this, and uh, just wish you the best of luck. and And I'll I'll be following along closely. Look forward to those updates. That I'll I'll be happy to, you know, share sure. with the listener, and you know they can follow along on your Instagram updates and Strava. So, very cool little uh, training plan you have here for the Leadville hundred miler. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how it goes. We'll see if it's not a. Uh just incredibly reckless and end up blowing up a lead fill, but it'll I, be fun no matter what happens I, 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 think, I think you'll you'll do great and uh thanks good, rob yeah take care thank you guys for checking this out and and appreciate the sponsor support hammer nutrition Sufferfest beer and bigger than the trail appreciate you guys and that was episode 50 of the training for ultra podcast had to get that one in come on don't blame me uh but have a great week don't forget to enjoy your training truly truly have fun out there do whatever you can to make it fun so you get out there and you know put in that extra run or two because you're actually having fun life's too short talk to you guys next week have a good one